Now, the good news of the resurrection, it totally transformed the lives of the disciples. Up until that point, they were living in fear, uncertainty, but then when they realized that Jesus had risen again, they were filled with a boldness and a courage, and they proclaimed this good news through all the world. And Jesus, the living Jesus, the risen Jesus, still transforming lives today. And someone who's experienced that in their own life is Haley. And Haley's come to share a little of her story with us as well. Would you make Haley feel really welcome as she comes to share with us this morning? Haley's husband, Mark's here, daughter Kirsty here as well. And uh, so good to have you sharing with us. But Haley, thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. I was raised in a loving family that occasionally attended church when I was younger. Growing up, I had questions about Jesus. However, after being told never to speak about religion, they went unanswered. Throughout my school years, I was bullied. And this impacted my life as I never discussed my feelings or situation with anyone. In grade 10, I left school, struggling with insecurity and low self-esteem. I isolated myself in my house until I discovered alcohol and partying as an escape. I was a teenager having fun, living with my boyfriend until my world changed. I found out I was pregnant. My boyfriend left me so I moved back home with my parents. During my pregnancy, I met Mark, and from the moment Justina was born, he's been there for us both, and 12 months later, we were engaged. Being a teenage mum was hard, and I suffered postnatal depression, yet Mark and my parents stood by me and supported me through this. It was then I chose to put my family first over me. A few years later, I fell pregnant, However, excitement turned to heartache when I miscarried. This was the first time I'd thought about God since I was a child, and I was angry at him. It would be another six months until I'd think about him again. While visiting my parents, I had an overwhelming feeling to hug my dad and tell him I loved him, and I didn't. Two minutes later, I watched him fall sideways and die of a massive heart attack. I never gave him that one last hug. Again, all this anger towards God came to me. He'd taken my dad away. The only comfort I had, he knew he was going to be a granddad again. A few months later, our daughter Kirsty was born and then our daughter Carly completed our family. I wished to christen our children, even though Mark wasn't a believer then. However, we weren't married. I was a young mum and I felt ashamed. I thought no church would christen them because of our situation. Therefore, I never asked or attended church. I never spoke about religion to them. I didn't fully understand it, so how could I answer any questions they had? While raising our family, life got challenging when my partner suffered from an alcohol and painkiller addiction. He was never abusive and he loved us, but addiction was controlling our life. Over the years, it got worse. It caused arguments and unrest in the house. Going to work was my escape, a place I could ignore my home life. I was burning myself out as I put myself last, but I continued to fight to keep my family together. Eventually, I hated coming home. Mark had given up, the addiction was winning, and I felt hopeless. My mum said I should pray to ask for guidance and protection, 
which is what I did. I didn't know if it would work, if I was doing it right, but before I went to sleep, it gave me some comfort. Finally, Mark accepted help and entered rehab. Yet I was so angry at him. He was away getting help and support he needed and I was left at home picking up the pieces. I was unsure what the future held for us. I was an emotional mess, but I had to keep it together for our daughters. However, during this time, Mark found the Lord and he started attending Bridgman Baptist Church. He was so revitalised and full of life. I fell in love with him all over again. And our family was complete once more. This was a turning point in his recovery and our family's life. Over the next few years, I, attended, I enjoyed attending church with Mark and Kirsty. To witness their transformation was so powerful. However, I didn't need God as they did. I needed him to hear my prayers, to protect my family and friends. I was in control of me and I had my own plans. However, on the 30th of August, 2020, my plan stalled. I developed a migraine, which I still suffer from 24 hours a day. My life changed dramatically. For once, I needed help and I found that hard to accept. I've been on an emotional roller coaster ride, suffering depression, stressing about our future, and unable to do everyday tasks without, without it intensifying the pain. But most of all, I wanted to return to my job that I loved, but because of this chronic pain, I was told I couldn't. Then one Sunday morning, I have an overwhelming feeling to attend church, and normally, when my pain was escalated, I'd stay home. But Pastor Peter came over and he prayed for me and an instant calming sensation overcame me and I knew I was in the right place. Afterwards, we spoke after the service about my faith and where I was in my journey. I exclaimed, I'd always been a believer. However, something was holding me back. I couldn't commit because I didn't think I was worthy and I had to be in control of my life. But the truth was, I wasn't. These headaches were. And I realised I needed the Lord. And it was that day I declared my life to God. Over the next few weeks, for all the, all the reasons holding me back, faded away. Then during a prayer session with Pastor Jody, all the burdens I was carrying, I handed over to the Lord. And I felt a weight lift from my shoulders and for the first time I felt free. Since then, God has placed some wonderful people in my life who have guided and helped me, and I'm now moving forward without the worry I've carried for years. It's taken me to be in chronic pain to realize I am worthy, I don't have to do everything myself, and I can put myself first and ask for help. Today, I still have the constant headaches and in the unknown of the future, I'm not stressing about it. As I know things will work out, I've let go of my plans and put my trust in God. As the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. As an engaged couple, Mark and I stood by each other through it all. And on the 1st of October, 2022, we celebrated 30 years together by becoming husband and wife.
the Lord has changed my life and my family's life for the better. And it all started by Mark being strong and open to new possibilities. Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It just took me a little longer to understand. However, now I know God is with me. He is with us all and he always will be. Praise God. Stay here, Haley. Praise God. I want to pray, actually. I want to pray for Haley. She still has these migraine headaches. Will you join with me, church, as we ask for God's healing touch over her life? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for Haley's story of what you've done in her life. Lord, your story, in fact. Lord, thank you for her faith and trust in you, the transformation this has brought. But now we do pray for your healing touch, Lord. Relief from these headaches, Lord she would know your healing touch in a special way. And so we lift her up to you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Hayley one more time for sharing with us? Thanks, Hayley, so much. Well, it is so good to be sharing with you. I do want to say a welcome to those online as well and to everyone gathering with us. It's a real privilege to share briefly with you from God's Word on this Resurrection Sunday morning. A few years back now as a family, we acquired some new pets. We adopted some guinea pigs are our new pets. Um, they have some interesting names, names like Oreo, Peanut, Brownie, and Milky, to give you a few. Sounds more like a dessert menu, doesn't it, than a, um, a name for a pet. Sadly, a little while back now, Milky passed away, one of our guinea pigs, and so it was decided that since it was in my line of business to conduct funerals, that Dad would take a guinea pig Thanksgiving service in our front yard. And so we prepared the, a plot in the front garden and uh, we had a little guinea pig burial service. I'm not sure what the neighbours thought while this was going on, but as far as guinea pig services go, it went pretty well, I think. It's my first one, but it went pretty well. Once the service had completed, uh, everyone sort of went back to what they were doing. Uh, but a short time later, my youngest came to me and he said, Dad, Milky's head is poking out of the ground. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? She said, come and see, come and have a look for yourself. And she took me out to the front yard, to the little burial plot, and sure enough, to my fright, Milky's head was sticking out of the ground. I thought for a moment it was guinea pig resurrection um, was, was taking place. I did. And I was trying to work out what was going on. And I finally realized that my youngest wanted to really make sure that, that Milky definitely was not alive. So she dug Milky back up just to check that he definitely was not coming back to life. And when she was satisfied with that, we were able to rebury Milky a little deeper this time. I made sure um, for a moment. You know, it's been said that we live in a culture and a time in history that lives in denial of death. Um, never before in history has this been so pronounced where we have gone to such great lengths to sort of tuck death away, to hide it away from public view. Uh, we don't like to think about it too much. We don't like to talk about it. It can be an awkward conversation. In so many ways, we pretend that death does not exist. Ernest Becker, in his Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Denial of Death, speaks about this aspect of modern culture, and he says these words. He said, The idea of death, the fear of it, haunts the human animal like nothing else. 
It is the mainspring of human activity, activity designed largely to avoid the fatality of death, to overcome it by denying that it is the final destiny. Of course, we know um, intellectually and rationally that we are all going to die. Um, We know this, but deep down we repress it, we act as if we're going to live forever. But the Bible says that acting as if you're going to live forever, pretending that death doesn't exist is not a wise way to live. For all the blessings of modern science and medicine, the death rate is still the same it has always been. It is still 100% for every single one of us. It has been said that death is our great enemy more than anything. It makes a claim on each and every one of us, pursuing us relentlessly through all our days. But the good news of Easter Sunday is this, that death has been defeated, that Jesus has overcome the grave, that if we've come to that moment of placing our faith and trust in Jesus, then we no longer need to fear death. We have eternal life in Him. We can have the assurance of eternal life. We can know with 100% confidence that heaven is our home. Now, I realize as I say that, you might be thinking, that sounds a little bit overconfident to say that you can know that with 100% assurance. That might even sound a little bit arrogant to say you can speak with such confidence like that. I mean, after all, can anyone really be sure that there is life beyond the grave. We might hope we are going to heaven one day. We might have a feeling that maybe there is something else after this life. But can anyone really be 100% sure? Well, the answer to that question I want to tell you this morning is yes. We can have, you can have complete assurance. How can we be sure? Well, the Bible tells us we can be sure because of Easter Sunday. That's how come we can be sure. Because of the resurrection, we can now know with 100% confidence that we will live forever with Jesus. If we've come to that moment of saying, yes, Jesus, I place my life in your hands. I come to you in repentance and faith, then we too can have that assurance. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at the scriptures this morning. We're going to read a little section from Romans chapter 8. It'll come up on the screen. You can follow along as well. This is what it says. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, the risen Savior, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us right now. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. Praise God. This is his word to us this morning. Last week in our house, we had a near disaster because the internet dropped out in our house. I've got teenage kids. Um, I think they thought the end of the world had come. And so uh, they said, Dad, you've got to you know, try and fix this. So with my very limited tech skills, I went to try and see if I could work out what the problem was. And I soon realized that our modem had no power going to it. I knew this because it had no lights on it. So it's pretty easy to work that out. No lights, no power. So I thought I'll change the power pack and see if that makes a difference. Still no lights. So I changed power points, tried everything, no power. And I quickly realized that I was pretty sure that our modem was fried. That's technical language for not working anymore. And so I thought, well, what are we going to do? My first thought was, I'm going to have to pay to replace this modem. I'm going to be up for some money to replace this. But then I remembered that this modem was not that old. We'd replaced it in the last couple of years with the NBN coming in and all that sort of thing. And so I thought, if, if I could find the receipt for this modem, then I could take it down and probably under warranty get it replaced for free. And I thought, well, you know, what are the chances of me finding the receipt? A couple of years later now, but we have a, a, a draw system where we keep our receipts. My wife is an accountant, praise God, for the gifts of administration. And so I went to the drawers, but there was no receipt in the drawer. And I thought, oh, and I asked my wife, she said, no, no, no worries, I've archived the old receipts and they are now in a box in the garage. If we get that down, maybe we might be able to find the receipt there. So sure enough, together we got this box down and we opened up and there were literally hundreds of receipts in this archive box. And I thought, how are we ever going to find, if I even kept the receipt in the first place, I don't know. And so we pulled this box out and together we looked at it and thought, okay, well, let's, let's try this, let's go. I reached down, I grabbed the first bag of receipts and no word of a lie, the first receipt I pulled out of that bag was the receipt for the modem. Thank you, Jesus, for providing that receipt for me. And so you know what I did? And by the way, praise God for the gifts of administration. How amazing is that? Um, what a blessing it was. But I got that receipt. You know what I did? I, was, I packed up the old one and I went down to the shop where I bought that from. And I, had a, I, had a, I was bold. I was full of faith. I was no fear. I went up because I had my receipt with me. And I went straight up to the returns counter. And I said, I bought this, this um, modem a couple of years ago. It stopped working. It's fried, I said. It's fried. And, uh, but here's the receipt to replace it. And she said, no worries. I'll replace it for you straight away. All because I had that receipt in my hand, that proof of purchase in my hand. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to the resurrection. The reason we can have 100% certainty that we will live forever with Jesus is because the resurrection is our cosmic receipt. Do you know that? It's our guarantee, it's our proof of purchase. Because when Christ was raised from the dead, it was God's declaration of approval of Christ's work of redemption. It was God's approval and declaration that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was enough. It had satisfied his holy requirements. Romans 4, 25 puts it like this. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In this text today in Romans 8, Paul emphasizes again and again the certainty, the assurance that we can have through the resurrection. And he does this by laying out a case, a very clear logical case by asking four questions. The first question he asks is this. He says, who can be against us? Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And Paul then answers the first question with another question, but it's a rhetorical question, a question which is really an 
answer to the first question, if you follow what I'm saying here. So he says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. In other words, why would we ever think that God would be against us when he has already given us everything, given us his very son, the thing that is most precious to him? Now, I realize for some here today watching online or in our service, your picture of God might be that he is against you. That God is angry with you, out to get you, condemn you. Or maybe, as Haley's story, maybe you're angry at God for some things that have happened in your life. And you think in some way that God is against you. You need to hear this morning. The Bible says, God is not against you. He is for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has given his only son for you. One writer puts it like this, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Haley's experienced that. You could hear that in her story. So the resurrection is firstly our guarantee that God is for us, that he loves us. Paul then asks another question. He says, well, who will bring any charge against us, against God, those whom God has chosen? Who will bring a case against you? And What's Paul's response? He's answered that question. It is God who justifies. In other words, he's saying, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, no one can now bring a charge against you because it is God who does the justifying. We don't justify ourselves. We don't make ourselves right with God. It is God who justifies us through what he has done by sending Jesus. He says, you are powerless to justify yourself. God has done the work through Jesus through Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. In June of 2006, Warren Buffett announced to the world that he would donate 85% of his $44 billion fortune to five charitable foundations. An incredibly generous act. And in response to the questions that were asked of him about this generosity, Buffett said these words. He said, there's more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way to get there, he said. And Warren Buffett's comments highlight a belief that many people have that to get to heaven, I need to be a good person. I need to earn my way to heaven. But the Bible says that it's not good people who go to heaven. The Bible says it's forgiven people who go to heaven. People who have had their sins forgiven. Jerome, an early church father, had a dream one night in which Jesus visited him. And in the dream, Jerome collected all his money and he offered it to Jesus as a gift. And uh, he tried to give this to him. And Jesus said to Jerome, Jerome, I don't want your money. So Jerome rounded up all his possessions and he tried to give them to Jesus. But Jesus said again, Jerome, I don't want your possessions. And Jerome then turned to Christ in his dream and he said, well, what can I give you? What do you want? And Jesus replied, give me your sins. That's what I came for. I came to take away your sins. You see, it's not good people who go to heaven. It's forgiven people. People who have acknowledged their need of God, given their sins to him. I wonder if you've ever felt down 
felt weighed down by the feelings of guilt and shame for things that have, you've done in your life, things that have happened in your life. Haley expressed this in her own, her own story as well, that she felt this shame. She didn't even feel like she could come to a church because of some of the, gain, the shame that she felt on her life, not feeling worthy enough, she said. Well, you need to know if that's your experience this morning as well. You need to know that you can be set free from that guilt and shame, just like Haley. You can be washed clean. This is why Jesus came, so that you could be forgiven in Jesus. He has come to take away your sins. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he rose again, so that you could experience that same freedom. And the resurrection is our guarantee that we have been forgiven, that we've been made right with God, not because of anything we have done, but because of all that Jesus has done for us. And then Paul goes on, he asks a third question. He asks this one. He says, well, who is he that condemns? In other words, who else could bring a charge against me? Can anyone else do that? And Paul argues, think about this for a moment. Who is it? Who could rightly condemn us? There's only one person who could condemn us. The only person who could do that is the only person who has lived a perfect life, and that is Jesus. He is the only one who could condemn us once we've come to faith in him. But how does verse 34 continue? He says, but Christ Jesus, the only one who can condemn us, the one who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is right now at the right hand of God, interceding for us. This is amazing, incredible truth. An intercessor is someone who stands in our place, on our behalf, who pleads our case. They are a mediator for us to bring reconciliation. So the only one who could condemn you is Jesus. But what is Jesus doing? He is the very one at the right hand of God interceding for you this morning. This is incredible. Interceding for me this morning. This is the best news in all the world. So who is he that condemns? Paul says the answer is no one. When we've come to place our faith and trust in him, there is now no one who can condemn us. The resurrection is our guarantee that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've come with feelings of condemnation, thoughts this morning that have been condemning you, you need to hear that Jesus has done everything so that you can be set free from that. In fact, those thoughts of condemnation, they are not coming from your heavenly Father. They're coming from the evil one who loves to pull us down. And then Paul asks one last question to really drive this truth home. He says, finally, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, who shall separate us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Right, so Paul's argument here is if God gave his son for you when you were at your worst, then what circumstances could ever make him stop loving you? Right? God didn't wait until we cleaned our lives up, fixed things up before he sent his son for you. He did that while you were still far from him. In the midst of your brokenness and, 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 and the mess of our own lives, he came then, he didn't wait for us. So if God loved us then, what could stop him or separate us from his love? He says, firstly, sin can't separate us from God's love. God first loved us when we were sinners. Christ covers our sin. He is interceding for us right now. Secondly, suffering can't separate us from God's love. 
No matter what we go through, God is with us. Suffering isn't a sign that he no longer loves us. If you're thinking you're enduring suffering, and like Haley's experience, just like, God, what are you doing in this? Have you forgotten me? Maybe you're angry at God, but you need to know that suffering is not a sign that God has stopped loving you. It's a sign that God's promised new world has not yet come. He's unfolding a plan to bring healing. His heart breaks at the suffering and hardship in our world and in your life, but he is unfolding a plan to do away with that forever. And thirdly, he says, even death can't separate us from God's love. Death might look to us like the limit of God's love, but for Christians, death is the beginning of a much closer and more intimate relationship with God. And so Paul concludes with these words, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the good news of the resurrection, the guarantee. Just over a week ago, one of our church family members here, Norman Moses, went to be with Jesus. And Norman had battled with ill health for a number of years, and his wife, Morgana, just did an amazing um, job of caring for him and supporting him, blessing him through that season. But despite all of the challenges Norman faced in those last number of years of his life, he had this amazing faith and trust in Jesus. I remember going to visit him on one of the occasions in hospital and, uh, and I left feeling like I went to bless him and I was the one who was blessed. I left just praising God. He had encouraged me. He had a confidence. He knew that this life was not all there is. He knew that, that God was with him even in the midst of his suffering. Just over a week ago in the early hours of Thursday morning, the 30th of March, Norman woke up and he simply said to his wife, Magana, he simply said these words. He said, I'm going home. I'm going home, he said. And he went back to sleep. And sure enough, not long after that, he went to be with Jesus. And I thought, how amazing that Norman could speak with such confidence like that in the very face of death. He knew with a confidence, 100% assurance that heaven was his true home. He knew that not even death could separate him from God's love. In fact, it would just lead him even to a, a deeper, more intimate relationship with his heavenly father. And he knew that when he passed from this life, that he would be more alive than ever. A new resurrection body in the very presence of his Savior. And at the service of Thanksgiving for Norman's life was just on Wednesday, just before our Easter services. It was an incredibly powerful service, so full of hope, the presence of God. Um, in the midst of the sadness of Norman's passing, there was an incredible assurance of eternal life in that service. So let me ask you this morning, do you have assurance of eternal life like Norman? Do you have that confidence, that 100% confidence that when you die, you know that you'll live forever with Jesus because your sins have been forgiven. You know you've been accepted by God, that, that you know that your eternal future is secure in him. Have you got the receipt this morning? Have you got the proof of purchase do you have that confidence in your heart? Because if not today, you can receive that assurance. You can have this as your own and you can receive the assurance by receiving Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, coming to him this morning in repentance and faith. And, and you can do that by simply coming to him and just saying, God, I need you. I'm sorry for going my own way. I come to you. I trust in you. Not cleaning your own life up, 
not trying to say, oh, Lord, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to do more. You heard that in Haley's story. She thought, she thought that was what it was about until she realized, no, she simply needed to surrender, give her life to Jesus. And in that moment, she encountered the freedom, the assurance that comes through relationship with him. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If that's you, you know the Spirit of God speaking to you. You're saying, yeah, that's me. I don't have that assurance. I want to receive that this morning. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity just to pray a simple prayer in your heart and your mind so that today you too can have that assurance of eternal life. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Thank you for the assurance that we can have because you rose again. And so now in these moments, Lord, you're so near by your Holy Spirit. I want to pray for any, Lord, who you're speaking to, who you're calling to yourself this morning, who don't have that assurance of salvation, who don't know that their sins have been forgiven, weighed down by guilt and shame, feelings of condemnation this morning, Lord, I know your heart is to set people free bring your resurrection life and so if that's you this morning you know God's been speaking to you this can be your moment right now just by praying this simple prayer I'm going to lead us in your heart in your mind by praying this prayer saying Jesus I come to you I place my faith and trust in you this morning so that's you you just make this prayer your own this morning Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for me Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for taking the punishment of my sin. I come to you this morning in repentance and faith. Please forgive me for going my own way. I come to place my faith and trust in you. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me. Guide me. Fill me with the assurance of eternal life in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to pray for any who have prayed that prayer right now. There'll just be burdens being lifted. Joy of salvation filling people's hearts. Awareness, Lord, that they are secure in you, that nothing, nothing can separate them from your love. And so, Lord, bless them this Easter Sunday, I pray. Encourage them, strengthen them on the journey ahead. Thank you for the good things you have in store for them. Lord, I pray for any two who are still exploring faith, questions, Lord, encourage them, help them just to keep asking the questions, to keep searching, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I really want to encourage you to take a next step in that journey. One of them is the Alpha course we mentioned earlier. Haley um, has done the course. Many others have done this course. It covers the foundations of the Christian faith, as Andrew said. Um, it's great space where you can ask questions, find out more. Millions of people around the world have done this course. As you leave today, there is some Bible packs that you can take. There's some cards. There's some information about Alpha. 30th of April, we're kicking that off. We'd love to you come. And like I said, even if you haven't prayed that prayer this morning, but you've got questions, you're intrigued, you want to know more, this is the course to do. I want to encourage you to come to do that. We've got those Bible gift packs there outside as well. You can take them. And if you came with someone, tell someone you prayed that prayer this morning. 
It's the most important decision, the most amazing step you could ever take in this life. Just tell someone. If you came with a friend or come and tell me, talk to me or talk to one of the pastors, one of the hosts, we'd love to encourage you on your journey as well. But we're going to sing a song that declares this great truth that we have in Jesus as we conclude our service. Let's stand on our feet as we do this. Let's worship him together. Give him thanks for the hope of eternal life in him.
Amen. How blessed we are to know this good news. It's Easter Sunday. We've got time for one more song. We want to celebrate. This is the best news in all the world. So church, yeah, we're going to give one more song as we worship. Come out tonight. Our Switch Youth are leading us in worship tonight. That's going to be amazing. Let's worship and give thanks together. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not.
God. Praise God. Praise God. If you want more, come back tonight. When Switch Youth, it's our resurrection party tonight. We're just warming up for tonight as well. Do want to remind you these Bible gift packs are here for you as well. The Alpha cards, don't forget that. Please do grab a seat. And if you'd like prayer in some way, we'd love to pray for you if you prayed that prayer. But God bless you. Can we thank too the choir, the band, the tech guys, everything for an amazing weekend? It's been incredible. And a special blessing to those joining us online as well. Thanks so much for sharing with us.